Now, what are you watching? What are you guys watching? What are you watching? What are you watching, guys? What's this show? Is it new? What is this show? What are you watching? What are you watching? What are you watching? Okay, that's it. That's enough screen time, people. Let's all take a 10-minute break. No more TV. Turn it off now. Welcome back to episode 40 of Screen Time is Cancelled. I'm Aaron. Woo! Round numbers. I'm Andrew. (laughs) Woo! I love round numbers. You do? Yeah. Cool. It's easy to do math on them. That's true. Like times 10 divided Mm -hmm. by 10. What's 40 times 10? A lot. (laughs) A lot of 10s. Good answer. Good answer. So if some of y'all recall from our previous episodes, or in case you aren't aware, when we hit the uh, tens. Big round numbers. Is it fives and tens or just tens? Just the tens. Just tens. We tend to watch something that we- tend to watch something. Get out. (laughs) This is now a solo show. (laughs) Good luck. (laughs) I'll be taking over. Um, We tend to watch something that we don't completely hate. Um, or we attempt to anyway, because I want to say we tried Eureka's Castle on one of the tens, and that didn't go so well. Yeah, but we did Garfield on one of the tens as well. And that yeah, was that was good. good. And then that's all of the tens. Oh yeah, good job us. So this time around for number forty, we decided to watch in honor of Spooky Season, mm-hmm. the most popular episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark? The, the inf- original, run. the original series, the infamous original Spooky series from Nickelodeon. It ran from 1990 to later in the 90s. I had this information up in front of me, and now I don't. <laughs> Good job. But You're an amazing producer. It's a 90s show. <laughs> so this episode in particular, where did you find out that it was the most popular? What were you looking at? Uh, a list on the internet. Okay. So um, it wasn't like IMDb or anything? Yes, that's what it was. It was, oh, it was right. someone had a website had done this they had gone on to imdb and made a list of the top ones that there were based on ratings by users <laughs> do you want to try that again no so we ended up watching tale of the dream girl before we jump into the episode specifically what was are you afraid of the dark to you D- did you watch it a lot as a kid in the 90s? Yes, absolutely. I watched SNCC pretty religiously, which mm-hmm. is the Saturday night um, g- grouping of TV shows on Nickelodeon, which included, are you afraid, from, I think my most vivid memory of it, it was, are you afraid of the dark? Mm-hmm. Alex Mack, the secret world of Alex Mack, Pete and Pete. I actually have no idea if all of these were on at the same time or not and all that. Okay. I think Pete and Pete might be the only one that doesn't overlap with that i think i for some reason my mind think that pete and pete and all that did not over, did not cross over. oh that's entirely possible like i said i don't know if these were in the lineup at the same time these are just the shows that i remember the most vividly and and kind of have since made up a memory in my head that they were all on one night i remember roundhouse yep roundhouse clarissa yeah. explains it all yep are you afraid of the dark and pete and pete that's the the lineup i remember in my head and see I remember really liking Roundhouse, but I feel like it was on for a very short period of time once I start started watching, and then it switched to a different show. 
Yeah, and I also remember it being like a little edgy for a kid's show. Yeah, it was maybe a little bit too old for me, so I maybe I didn't get it. <laughs> My mom didn't want me to watch it. Yeah. And I remember trying to convince her that whatever was going to be on TV in a couple of minutes, she wasn't allowed to see. It was just for kids, so she had to leave the room. Yeah. Because then, then I could watch. I'm sure that I thought this is a very clever uh, plan on my part. That if she left the room, then she wouldn't know I was watching Roundhouse. I mean, did it work? I don't think so. Oh. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't think so, at all. I, you know, actually, it's a funny story with Roundhouse. Just to, to a digression on top of a digression on top of a digression. Back before you know, like YouTube and and the availability of old nostalgic media was there. It had been easily 20 years or 15 years since I'd seen an episode of Roundhouse and went to the Museum of Television and Radio, where you can pull up a lot of old clips of things. Is that in Chicago? There's a couple of them around. I think I went to the one, this is when I, my senior year of high school, uh, we went to a trip to Hollywood, and they had one there. And so I went to the Museum of of Television and Radio and was able to pull up an episode of Roundhouse from their archives. Nice. And I remember just sitting there and feeling very weird watching old Nickelodeon in a museum. Like, it felt very weird that this was in a museum. (laughs) <laughs> I feel like my memory of Roundhouse was that it was essentially SNL for theater kids. That is a really good take on it, I think. Because it there was it was very very sketch comedy, but I f- want to say they did a fair amount of it in one take. Like you almost had one main, like the, just they just took the A roll and it mm-hmm. was on a swivel, you know, one camera, and they would go cut from one sketch to another and just basically move the camera to the different part of the soundstage where the other sketch was it also very much had that feeling of like because i think there was usually like a theme or a story that would cut through all of the different sketches yeah like you'd have the dad on the his magic amazing what was it was like an armchair on a rote on a movable platform yeah and like him and his kids were always like or I think we're part of like the, the overarching story, whether it was going to be about allowance or lying or grades, whatever the general theme was going to be. Right. And they would do things like they would turn on the TV and then other dancers would just be behind the TV acting and, and like dancing and doing stuff. Like right. it, it very much felt like a theater production or almost like something that you'd have at summer camp. Yes. Like very like on stage, there's almost no sets. There's just people and props interacting. And if it's not super funny, there's awkward silence. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And then a lot of weird hip-hop dance breaks. So that was a show that was on SNCC. Another show that was on SNCC was Are You Afraid of the Dark? Yes. Uh, And I want to say this was my gateway drug. I honestly could not tell you if this timeline lines up correctly in actuality. But in my head, I watched SNCC because I enjoyed Nickelodeon. And I tested the spooky waters with Are You Afraid of the Dark? And from there, moved on to Goosebumps and other spooky things um, and discovered my love of all things spooky. I think I was the same way. I remember, I actually have a lot of weird memories of being at my cousin Jeff's house and watching spooky things. The first place I saw Are You Afraid of the Dark was at my cousin Jeff's house. Also saw Blair Witch Project there, like right when it had come out on VHS and I was totally not ready for it. Nope. And Nobody was. I also saw... The classic horror film that you and I both love, Night of the Lepus. <laughs> yeah. And I remember it was one of those things. You, you ever have that where like you, you'd you walk into a room where adults were watching something and you, as long as you didn't sit down, no one would question you being in there watching it. 
but like as long as you kept like standing kind of off to the side a little bit it's like you weren't actually staying up past your bedtime because you weren't really committing to it do you know what i mean does this I sound insane? I have never experienced that, but I have always been a sleepy baby, so I'm pretty sure I would have been asleep by the time my parents were watching anything like that. Okay. I think I also, also saw my species parents were, there. Like lovely but kind of boring, and I don't think they'd care if I watched <laughs> anything they were watching. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Aria Fred of the Dark was definitely my first like foray into intentionally experiencing spooky stuff. And so it's and we revisited the entire series a couple of years ago. We watched it from end to end. Um, on completely legitimate sources so this wasn't like it was you know had been 20 years since we'd last seen it but it still was it did still feel like a revisiting even though it hadn't been that long for sure and we can touch on this later but we also ended up checking out the reboot yes uh so we watched the first season of that so we can touch on that towards the end of the episode and we did also recently watch an episode of goosebumps that's right. Not intentionally, just we happened to watch it. So we've kind of got the smattering of children's anthology horror from the 90s and today that we can touch on. Yeah. And that's the general theme of things today is Joanna Garcia vehicles. <laughs> that was actually my my first note is, oh my God, it's baby Cheyenne. <laughs> I, my first note is, I'm just happy to be watching Joanna Garcia in something. So for anyone who doesn't know, um, and I will be the first and not the last to admit that it is absolutely problematic in a lot of places <laughs> but andrew and i love the show reba mm-hmm. and we watched it mm-hmm. we've watched it multiple times and we rewatched it towards the beginning of the pandemic because it's wholesome in a certain way it's, it's comforting in a certain way yeah it's wholesome in a way that doesn't feel like you're watching the waltons right like it- it's not ted lasso wholesome it's just it's about a family and it's all very it's for the most part really loving and still really funny and not shitty sitcom funny it's actually funny most of the time and the person-to-person interactions and the issues they run into don't feel as sitcom-y as other shows like that right they're dealing with more interesting issues of like dealing with depression dealing with a midlife crisis dealing with infidelity dealing with children that don't know which of their divorced parents they want to live with right like interesting things that i wouldn't have expected and i didn't expect when we first started watching the show however it was 10 years ago when you first came back from a trip up north and said we have to start watching reba oh yeah that's right i think i marathoned it with my parents or something yeah that's a show that you would marathon with parents yeah so speaking of the sources that we watched are you afraid of the dark through originally this is Now, most of it is on Paramount Plus. Yes. Because Paramount Plus owns Nickelodeon's catalog and CBS's catalog and Discovery or National Geographic, one of the two. Yeah. Maybe both. I don't know. This particular episode was not on there, correct? Yeah. I did some research and there's like a handful, like four or five episodes that, for reasons I could not find. I wonder if it's release of the actors that are on it or something. Maybe Joanna Garcia was like, no, thank you. I don't want people to know I was in this. It's not specifically any one person, and I couldn't find anything that indicated it was music release, because that's usually what it is. Like, they couldn't get the music rights to something. Right. It seemed like it was just all over the place. Maybe there are certain episodes they don't think are appropriate anymore, or don't think have aged well. I don't know why this one wouldn't have, but I'm sure that there are other episodes that actually deal with like weird racial stereotypes that like leprechauns or something that would be offensive yep but this i don't i didn't oh and did we say that we watched tale of the dream girl 
I started to. Oh, and then I cut you off? Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, um, since you didn't end up doing it because you lazed out, uh, yeah, yeah. you watched Tale of the Dream Girl, Season 3, Episode 10, according to IMDb, the uh, top-rated episode. And I'd say this is a pretty good episode. Like, as far as the way I remember them, this was a pretty well-structured, interesting story. Sure. <laughs> I can feel you actively agreeing with me. I will give it that it is well-structured mm -hmm. and interesting. And even that most of it was acted quite well. Okay. Sure. <laughs> so the episode opens up on the Midnight Society, about to tell their story. Joanna Garcia's character is late. I think her name is Sam. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why I'm explaining. None of this is relevant or important to the story. Anyway, she says that the scariest thing in the world is true love. And then they, she tells her story. She throws non-dairy creamer on the fire. Tale of the dream girl. That was so disappointing to find out. <laughs> I was thinking it was like something cool that you have to buy from like a shop where like witches go or something. And I mean, I bet you most witches go to the grocery store where they sell coffee made. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. There was a place in my hometown that the name unfortunately escapes me uh called dragon something something dragon i don't know it was like a witchy shop and it had all kinds of like baggies of herbs and crystals and exactly what you would expect from a witchy shop and it was fantastic and i was far too young to really be into that stuff but it was fascinating and I still remember my friend Danielle and I, when we found out they were closing down, that we went and bought out a bunch of stuff because we were, we liked to pretend we were witchy, but in reality, we're probably just pyros um, <laughs> and like to burn incense and things. Uh, so we bought out a bunch of their stuff and on our way out, I asked if I could have the sign from the front of the store and they gave it to me. So I had that on my bedroom wall. <laughs> As a teenager for probably five years or so. But they didn't have any magical storytelling sparkles to no, throw on a fire? But, but one of the things that we bought, this is why I was telling this story. Thank you for reminding me. <laughs> <laughs> one of the things that we bought was, and I'm not going to remember exactly which thing, but it was either xanth gum or guar gum. Mm -hmm. And it has a similar effect. Not as good. Okay. But a similar effect, which is why I guess I just assumed that whatever they were using was witchy more, and not non-dairy creamer. <laughs> more exciting than Coffee Mate. Yes. So if you want to, there's actually a great video um, or a great episode of Mythbusters where they make a giant like Coffee Mate cannon where they shoot a bunch of Coffee Mate into the air and then they ignite it all at the same time. Ooh. And it makes an amazing explosion and covers oh, everything see. with like a thin shell of caramelized Coffee Mate. <laughs> It's Does it really smell cool. amazing. I don't know. I wasn't there, yeah. but it's it looked really cool. Sweet. So the story that Joanna Garcia tells is about a little or a little boy. He's sort of like eighteen, nineteen. Dragons of the mist. <laughs> Sorry, it came to me. That's good. <laughs> I'm cutting that out. Just you shouting, "Dragons of the mist." Cutting it out. Like as as a little soundbite that I can use oh. elsewhere. <laughs> I'm going to put that on my Aaron soundboard. <laughs> okay. The story is about Johnny and Erica, who are both late teens, maybe 18, 19 years old. Yeah. Because uh, they don't really talk about school all that much. Um, Erica is studying in the opening. Okay. So probably senior year of high school. She, I mean, she very clearly could be a college student or high school. It doesn't matter. They're, they're young. They're teens. Yep. And they're working at a bowling alley. 
And Johnny does uh, the maintenance of the bowling alley. Erica is the waitress at the bowling alley. Johnny keeps having these recurring dreams about a girl named Donna who's calling out to him. He finds a glass ring in his locker at the place that he's working, the bowling alley. I'd already forgotten what it was. And it's he finds out that it's Donna's glass ring because it's a girl's glass ring, but he gets it stuck on his finger. He keeps having these premonitions and visions of Donna and he keeps trying to track down who she is and eventually Erica reveals to him that Donna died at some point in the past. Donna was a was a young teen who had died in a car that had stalled on a train track and was contacting Johnny from beyond the grave. So stop here if you want to avoid spoilers for this episode or The Sixth Sense. <laughs> because as the episode goes on, we, we it's revealed that, oh, Johnny also died in that accident, but he doesn't know he's a ghost. And Erica is the only one who can see him and has been humoring him since he came back from the accident. So he had died in this accident with Donna. He had just come home and kept going about his life, not realizing that he had died. Erica kept humoring him. He kept working at this bowling alley, fixing things, I guess, for no pay. Or not actually fixing things because, but somehow he has corporeal form. Like, well, he he is definitely fixing things because that's breaking ghost law, isn't it? The boss at one point is sitting at the little snack bar talking to Erica, and he's bragging about how he doesn't have to hire any maintenance people because nothing in this place ever breaks. Oh uh, yeah, okay, so he can touch things. That's weird. So she reveals this to him, and he kind of has this, like, breakdown, and Donna appears to him again and says, like, hey, Johnny, you got to come with me. Do you want to come with me? I love you. We're meant to be together. We're 19, and clearly this is the love that's going to last forever because that's what happens with everyone. And <laughs> they... Wearing his, his Letterman jacket yeah. because, of course, she is, but he... It's not obvious whether he ever played sports. <laughs> I mean, he looked a bit like a sportsman, but... Yeah. Um, he actually looks a bit like Bobby Briggs from Twin Peaks the actor who played Johnny, you may recognize him from a little show that I know you have a lot of memories about, Ready or Not. Thank you. I was wondering what he was from. I don't think that's what I'm remembering him from, but I, that helps. He was the the brother of the character Busy. Mm -hmm. uh, he was also in an episode of Flash Forward. Okay. So to just kind of round up the trifecta of American broadcast Canadian television. Sure. And the girl who played Donna in this episode was also on Rin Tin Tin a show that I had completely forgotten about until just today when I looked it up. Yep. Do you remember Rin Tin Tin? Vaguely. This is another one of those shows that was on the Family Channel before Zorro, which I, I used think is to how I watched it. Confuse Rin Tin Tin with Tin Tin. Mm, very different. Yep. Very different. Dogs do not make good reporters. Rin Tin Tin less racist than Tin Tin. Yes. I, you know, I you know, I say that I don't actually remember that being true. I don't know for a fact because it was the nineties. You've never asked. I've never asked. Could have been a really racist dog. Mm -hmm. Where was I? Oh, yeah. So they have this, this tearful goodbye at the end. And then he leaves and that's the end of the episode. Or that's the end of the story. And it's very much just the sixth sense, but with teens. So there's one spot because it's one of those things where you realize he's dead. And by the way, it is. I don't know what it is about the way that they told this story, but it is the most anticlimactic result. It's, you're not, no way he's dead. You're, yeah, of course he's dead. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> like, you've, you've resigned yourself to, yes, of course, this is where the story went. So, there's one spot, possibly more than one, but this is the one that comes to mind where I'm confused about the fact that he's been dead the whole time. 
Go on. There is a spot in the bowling alley after Johnny has seen Donna a couple times. Mm-hmm. And he's telling his sister, they're BFFs, by the way, if that matters. Um, he and his sister are BFFs, yes. yeah. Uh, he tells his sister that Donna, the girl he keeps seeing, looks a lot like another girl from their school. And he points to her. He ends up saying like, oh, it's fate. I should go talk to her. And so he walks up to go talk to her. And the girl responds Hmm. and says, did anyone hear anything? Anybody talking to me? She and she turns around. So but there's no one behind. So I think the way I read that scene, because after. After my memory of this episode, I remembered it, but my memory was that the story was Donna thought Johnny was her boyfriend that died in the tracks, but it yeah. wasn't. And there was, and Don, Johnny and Erica were going to help Donna reunite with her dead boyfriend. Yeah, that's that, kind of what I assumed also. And I think there actually might be another episode which has a very similar plot of ghost confuses person for their deceased loved one. Yeah. There's uh, a lot of those. So yeah, I think that's like half of the episodes of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Are ghosts thinking that dead people aren't dead? Yeah. Uh, so that was, I think, my confusion. But I went back when that thing happened and just kind of jumped through to see the scenes where Johnny is interacting with people that aren't his sister to see how well it was. And it's actually pretty solid how they handle it. Almost all of them are. That's the one that you're, the scene that you're describing, the way I think it's supposed to be played out is this girl that turns away from him is kind of hearing a ghostly voice and says, does anyone hear anyone talking to me? Her friends, her friend next to her says like sarcastically, I don't see anyone near here talking to you. And then they move on. Yeah. And I I kind of wonder these girls were being insanely rude to the guy behind the bowling counter. And I would never stop metaphorically slapping my teenager if they acted like that to other people. But I could see where the showrunners would expect the audience to think that that sounded weird i can see where they might expect the audience to think that the girl is pretending like she can't hear the guy behind the counter because that's totally the kind of like bitchy thing that a girl in a 90s tv show would have said yes he's like oh my god can you hear anyone talking about me oh my god and then pretending you know who they kind of reminded me of because i think this is my this is my go-to snob, I think, in 90s TV, is Hillary from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Mm-hmm. I could totally see that. <laughs> like, they, they seemed, I don't know, just complete snobs, and I hated them. Yeah, oh, they were awful. Awful, awful girls. Thankfully, they're only in the show for about 45 seconds. Yeah. But there are other scenes where he tries to talk to his mom, and his mom just kind of ghosts him, ignores him. That I remembered once they said he was dead. I... I had that thought yeah there's a scene where he's trying to talk to his boss and his boss just kind of finishes paperwork and walks away yeah and he he, i think even early on he even makes up some kind of comment about how no one can hear him or no like he feels like no one no one's talking to him or everyone's ignoring him Mm -hmm. you know during the first scene where he's talking to erica at the snack bar gotcha so it was surprisingly well done for an episode of a 90s anthology kids horror show. Yeah. As far as like th- that consistency. What I didn't understand was the timeline. Because the way that the musical cues and visuals of Donna and Johnny are, are done, you'd think that Donna and Johnny died in the 50s. Right. Because like at one point he goes back to the bowling alley at midnight to meet up to see Donna. And 
they're playing like 1930s, 1940s music, and this kind of a stereotypical 1940s, 1950s waitress, like a diner waitress. Who's... And some other patrons who look like they're out of that era as well. Yeah, and she serves him like pie a la mode and a Coke with two straws. It's like, it's very American graffiti, Americana type stuff. And then when they when Donna shows up and they go to dance on the dance floor, it's very clearly playing late 80s soundtrack music. Yeah. Like something that would have been in an episode of Miami Vice. Right. So that was really weird and it made me not sure like... I, uh, that's it it further solidified in my mind donna was a ghost from the 50s who thinks that johnny is her boyfriend from the 50s right which if that was their intention great misdirect i don't know that that was their intention yeah that was probably accidental so discussion question mm-hmm. why two straws my guess is that johnny and donna would sit across from each other like in a norman rockwell painting and both sip out of the same but see, I thought that, and that would be fair because that's very 50s, mm-hmm. but the straws were cocktail straws. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's how you do that. No, I'm guessing that that answer, the answer to that question is craft services was out of bendy straws that day <laughs> and the prop master didn't have any regular bendy straws. Yeah. All right. That would be my guess as, as to Fine. that. Fine. I was thinking that if you have two cocktail straws, it's a lot, you, it's. It's easier to get more drink into your mouth than with just one. Have you ever tried to drink something with two cocktail straws? Yes, it's very satisfying. You get like weird little like bubbly air in between the cocktail straws. Oh, I don't know if I've ever noticed that. Oh, hmm. Hmm. <laughs> I have a discussion question for you. All right. When you were in school, did you ever ask someone out or like them in a different way because of a dream you had? No. No? Okay. I... Uh, the... Yeah, definitely me neither. <laughs> if I had a dream about someone I was interested in, I was already interested in them and already knew they were either out of my league mm-hmm. or I was already in process of dating. Okay. I I, I was a very... <laughs> so growing up, I... This is Central Maine for you. I kind of envisioned myself as being a secretary when I grew up. Dream. Reaching for those stars um, of me- mediocrity. Just doing it for themselves. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure I also expected to pop out multiple children and stay at home with them and all these things that I would not want at all. Right no, I now, get to stay with home with ever them. Ever again. I know. Yeah. You want to be the one that stays at home. So, a- as such, I also really only reached for the mid level. <laughs> Like, I totally pined after some very good-looking, popular boys in my class because they were very good-looking. But I reached for the mid-level because it was attainable. Small, achievable goals. That's the rule, right? I hope that every boy that you dated in middle school and high school is listening right now. (laughs) I'm still pals with some of them. And Mm. if they are listening, hey, what's up? Uh... (laughs) You were achievable. Thanks for Reach for the me. fives. Mm-hmm. See, I, I had a crush on every girl in high school. Yeah, you did. So, like, I would have a dream about someone and be like, oh, my God, I have to go ask them out tomorrow. Oh, my gosh, really? Yeah, and it never worked. Oh. Yeah. But, like, in my mind, it was like, oh, my God, like, it would change. Meant the, to be. Well, it would change. Like, oh, wow, I never thought of them in that way. I mean, I definitely had, but I hadn't thought of them in that way, like, recently. So, oh, wow, I haven't thought about Jamie that way. So... 
this changes everything. I'm going to go ask her out. No. Oh, yeah. No, that's fair. That's absolutely fair. It's funny. For as awful as teenagers can be Mm -hmm. for a variety of reasons, they are extremely gullible and willing to accept literally any description or definition or reasoning for something. So, like, you know, I was into witchy shit for a little while. Like, what? (laughs) What? Why did that happen? Like, where was my brain? You saw the craft and you thought it was... legit saw the craft Mm -hmm. and wanted to be a witch. Absolutely. You wanted to be Feruza by... No, I I liked... um, The one who uh, went on to be in that show? Curly-haired girl. Oh, curly-haired girl. Curly-haired girl and I think she was one with the scars that they peeled off? Or was that... Sorry, spoilers. Um, <laughs> spoilers for a lot of classic TV <laughs> and movies. But but really, you think I don't know about you, but I thought <laughs> this is amazing. The more Rachel True, sure. As Rochelle, sure. Um, I thought that everything was a sign. Mm. Everything was a sign. If something was on the left instead of the right one day, oh, it's a sign. And I actually used to play. Taipei on my parents' computer every morning. I'm so excited to hear how this story ends. Because there was a fortune (gasps) or a horoscope or some shit at the end. (laughs) And that was how my day was going to go. And I needed to know. That's amazing. Why are teenagers such idiots? (laughs) I don't know if I was a special kind of idiot or if they're all like that. They're just looking for something to help them make sense of the world. Probably. That, you know, that's a probably really logical answer and not that they're just idiots. (laughs) Oh, I mean, it's very stupid to go to Taipei and and dream girls. (laughs) But yeah, my assumption was that if I had a dream about a girl, that meant that I was in love with her and that I should go ask her out. Yeah, because it was a sign. It was a sign. And I would go ask out a girl and then she'd say no. And I was like, oh, I don't actually care. I don't think I actually have any interest in you whatsoever. <laughs> You're actually really boring. So I just had a weird dream about you. And like, you wouldn't say that because that's insane. You don't tell people that you had dreams about them. Yes. Especially after they just rejected you. Right. Or before, don't, don't ask them, don't tell them that. Any, any high school kids listening, no one cares that they were in a dream that you had. You shouldn't tell them that you'd had a dream about them, especially before or during asking them out. Unless that person is your husband. And you wake up extremely angry at him <laughs> because you had a dream that he cheated on you with a werewolf man yep. and loved the werewolf man more than you. You also had a dream that I cheated on you with a vampire. I don't know. Well, maybe that's what I'm thinking No, it was of. both. You had oh. both. And I, I, I don't think this was while you were watching True Blood either. So it's not like that was even an excuse of like, I was watching a lot of gay vampire stuff. <laughs> I mean, I'm always watching some sort of supernatural paranormal You crap. are almost always watching shows that involve gay that vampires. Show. I love it. <laughs> it's so bad. It's so good. <laughs> and I, I also remember fairly recently waking up after a dream I had that you were like, you just wouldn't tell me something? I think I was like trying to get you to give me the answer to something or information about something and you just wouldn't tell me and it brought me to tears and I woke up with tears in my eyes and I was so mad. <laughs> I hate vivid dreams. I hate them. Oh god, so, I'm so glad you're not a teenager. You would have had a, you would have divorced me after that. <laughs> this yeah, is a sign. sign. This is a sign you're keeping something from me. I don't know what it is, but you're keeping <laughs> something from me. It's that you cheated on me with a werewolf vampire. I need to go play Taipei and find out what I need to do with this. Yeah. 
I think this has been this was a good episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark overall. I think it was a fun episode. I think that it had enough twists. There was like it was like two twists. I know what some of those words mean. <laughs> and disagree <laughs> with what you were saying. Well, I thought a contentious debate we've had. I had no idea why this is a favorite episode. Really? I thought I what? think I already said that I thought it was incredibly anticlimactic and you, you, I I essentially had the same thought. I went through, okay, Donna's dead and she thinks Johnny is uh, her boyfriend, but he's really alive and they're going to help her go to the afterlife or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then you find out that Johnny's dead and you're like, yeah, okay. Yeah, probably. (laughs) And then in the end, it turns out that none of this was scary. So I guess maybe it's the fault of Sam for telling this crappy, spooky story. I thought you were blaming our son for a second. No, and not I don't our know son. what he has the to do The character with this. Sam, who's supposed to be telling this story for the Midnight Society. Um, don't blame Joanna Garcia <laughs> for this. But it, in the end, it just ended up being depressing. Oh, yeah. It's a very depressing episode. Because that- Johnny had no idea he was dead. He had no idea his girlfriend had died. His sister, who they were like super close, misses the hell out of him. And all of a sudden he's back and he doesn't know what's going on. And she has to play along even though he's dead. <laughs> and like, wh- this is an awful episode. I didn't like it at all. It wasn't even scary. Oh, it's definitely not scary. But like, I have a soft spot for stories about, about people who don't know they're dead. I think that's really interesting. But is it an Are You Afraid of the Dark campfire story? Okay. I mean, like, but half of these are, half of the stuff from Are You Afraid of the Dark isn't real campfire stories. What if you got sucked into a pinball machine? What if you went to the 13th floor of a building and it was a weird toy factory? (laughs) But uh, those at least. What if Mr. Sardo was weird at you? Though some, I'm not going to make excuses for any of the other ones that are similar to this. Because I'm sure this is the only one. But understanding the premise of this show, I don't know how this became a top favorite on anybody's list. And the episodes that you're referencing, I will totally grant you that those are not scary, but they are at least unsettling. Mm. There is something that is worth telling over a campfire and a reason you'd tell the story. This, I guess, in general concept is unsettling. Oh, my brother died and he didn't know he was dead. And then his girlfriend came back from the dead to get him. The end. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, when you phrase it like that, it sounds like shit. <laughs> but I just, I, I don't know. I was not a fan. I, and I do like Are You Afraid of the Dark? Some of the episodes, I think, hold up pretty well. Not all of the acting does, but some of the stories definitely do. Um, and actually, the new season that we watched, I thought was pretty damn good uh the acting was great the story was well written it wasn't super scary but it was absolutely unsettling um and creepy yeah that new season uh i think came out 2018 2019 uh it was a three-part the first like, first season yes the, th- the first season of the reboot was like a three-part mini series about a creepy clown carnival mm-hmm. uh and the, and the midnight society having to deal with an actual ghost in was, their in their midst wasn't it like the carnival of doom or something yeah the carnival of doom which is a bad name yeah you, know, you could come up with something slightly scarier than that or just like say it in a different language right but still there was a guy named mr top hat which also again doesn't sound all that scary but the more i thought about it mr top hat 
does sound like the name that a child or yes. children would give a scary character. That's exactly the reason that I thought as well. Like, cause I remember Cause she said she's been dreaming about him for a long time, right? She, since, since she was, she a, was kid. a kid, like 10. Maybe. Yeah. So Mr. Top Hat is definitely the kind of weird, not actually scary, but scary to a five-year-old or six-year-old right. thing that would happen. Uh, but yeah, that was very well acted. Was It felt like a much higher budget show, probably was. Yeah. I was excited to go from episode to episode. Like, I wanted to know what, what the resolution was. I really liked all the characters. I, I don't know. I know you mentioned season two is a lot more like the original show where the episode to episode, the story changes. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if they kept the same cast, but I kind of hope they did because I really enjoyed the folks that they introduced. Yes, I, I think they did. I don't know. We, I, we'll it wasn't available it on Paramount Plus, so we couldn't keep watching more of it. It was mm-hmm. only that first season that was available. But when it does become available, I will definitely check it out. Cool. Um, I'd like to find there were like one or two seasons of a of a reboot before this. Oh. It was. I think it only happened like two years after the original Are You Afraid of the Dark was canceled. Oh. It came back, and I think only like one or two of the original members of the Midnight Society returned for it. Was it Glasses Dude? I feel like... No, not Ross Hull. Okay. Um, I don't like that I have his name in, on hand. I don't <laughs> feel like that's a good sign. Um, no, it was the, the the younger kid that has a loud voice. Tucker. Tucker, that's the one. You knew who I was talking mm-hmm. about. Um, he comes back. I think Ross Hull shows up like as a, just to, like, to hand the torch. Gotcha. Uh, but Elisha Cuthbert? Oh. You know her? Does she come in later? She she ends up as a Midnight Society member in that... In that sp- revival in like 1998 99 huh she's the blonde yeah. yeah okay yeah wasn't she in the girl next door yes i think you're right uh but yeah she comes in as a midnight society member and some other people do i think it only lasted a season and a half cool. but i've never seen it uh and i didn't it was like right at that period of time where i had stopped watching nickelodeon yeah but i was aware that it had come back yeah so i'd be interested in seeing that checking that out i am kind of interested in checking out some of the content that was developed right after, kind of like you just said, right after I stopped watching Nickelodeon, because there is a lot of content that I have no sense of because I had moved fully on. Mm -hmm. And you, for example, might actually, because you had a sister that was significantly younger than you. I actually still have a sister and she is still significantly younger than me. Yes. Yeah. But at the time. I. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Although I, I guess eight years is probably young enough where you're still missing that same bucket of shows that I'm missing. Yeah, but I also watched that stuff later than you probably did. Oh, so okay. like I probably watched it until I was like 15, 16. Well, you're also three years younger than me. So yeah. There's so there's that. a lot of variables to work in there and someone could do the math to figure yes, out absolutely. what those overlaps are. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think there's probably some interesting shows in those early 2000s years on Nickelodeon that Maybe we'll revisit for a, you know episode fifty. We'll look at at going into some of the stuff that we were just outside the realm, or maybe even go a little earlier if there was something late eighties. Yeah, Nickelodeon because Nickelodeon did come out in. The I was going to say, when did Nickelodeon start? Late eighties. Okay. There were some interesting shows there that I that um you know over around the time they were doing. You can't do that on television. That was Nickelodeon. Yep, uh, it's a Canadian show. Yep. Uh, there was a show called uh, Kids Court. I do remember Kids Court. So this is interesting because I wonder why Nickelodeon Studios was in Florida if all of their stuff was filmed in Canada. That seems like the opposite place you would want to put the studios. 
Uh, maybe it has something to do with Viacom because it doesn't Nickelodeon isn't Although, Nickelodeon didn't your by old Viacom? Job have their place out of Florida for tax reasons? Yeah, maybe it's that. Maybe yeah, maybe it's something like that. But yeah, there was because Nickelodeon started somewhere in the like late seventies, early eighties, mm. um, and had a different name at the time. I read a really horrible book on the history of Nickelodeon, and um, they kind of went into it. But it would be interesting to see what else is is in there. There's also there's a show I'm aware of, and right now we're not even talking about anything. We're just like spitballing ideas for future episodes. But yeah. if you're out there and have ideas, cool. Um, <laughs> Tell us maybe. Uh, there's other shows that were like Are You Afraid of the Dark in other countries. There's oh. one British one, I think, or it might be Australian, called Round the Twist mm. that I've heard referenced a couple of times. That's supposed to be, you know... Like people say with Are You Afraid of the Dark of like, oh yeah, it was pretty good, but there were some episodes that were legitimately creepy. Same era? Like the 90s? I think so. Late 80s, early 90s. Cool. Um, and then uh, we've talked about re going back and rewatching Eerie Indiana. Yep. Which is a show that I remember watching but have no concrete memories of. Mm-hmm. Other than like the image they use for like the DVD covers yep. of the kid on his bike next to the town sign. Yep. <laughs> like that's all I remember about it. So yeah, it's there's some interesting stuff. One last thing I want to touch on before we kind of start wrapping things up. We watched that episode of Goosebumps, and I feel like every episode we've watched of Goosebumps has been worse than the worst episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Yes. It's just worse all around. Yep. The acting is worse. The writing is bad. The quality of like the the sets and the filmmaking all seems worse. I don't know. I don't know what it is about it that just seems lesser. I agree, and I say that wearing a Goosebumps t-shirt. You were literally at this wearing very a Goosebumps moment. shirt right now, and I flipping loved Goosebumps as a kid. Like, mm, same. That was that was how I got into reading because I was not a reader until I was introduced to R.L. Stein, and then I was. So I, but yeah, you're right. There's something about the show. R.L. Stein it seems like a perfectly fine gentleman. I actually took his master class, which I think I mentioned before, and it was a hoot, <laughs> to say the least. Um, and I consumed many of his books, including Fear Street as I got older, which is like the next like teen YA sort of stuff, I think. I actually just recently bought some of his adult stuff and Fear Street. And I think at this point, it's mostly nostalgia because I don't. It's not highbrow, <laughs> I guess, because I, I don't want to insult the man because clearly I love his work mm. in some capacity or another. Um, but yeah, it's just it's not meant for adults. How's that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's it's a very, very much meant for the age it's written. He does a great job writing for that age. Yes. And that's why he's got so many damn books. And he he's written them all, too. I don't think he ever farmed it out like James Patterson or any of those. I don't believe so, no. I, I get the impression, at least from um, that master class, that he does all of it. Yeah. So, yeah. Are you afraid of the dark? I think it's still good. Aaron clearly thinks it's bullshit. I, um, uh, no, you hated it. You made that very episode, clear. And I did agree that it, the story was interesting and the acting was good. I was actually, I made a note that I was impressed with the acting. I, did you touch on... Whether the sister was somebody? Um, you know, I didn't, but I thought that she kind of looked like... I kept calling her Canada Ferreira because she looked like Canadian <laughs> America Ferreira. She does look like America Ferreira. I had that same thought. And so I, I kept I kept wanting to work, work that joke in, but I kept in my mind saying Canadia Ferreira. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that wasn't like... It was too many steps away. Yes. For um, Her name is Andrea Nemeth. 
Okay. And she has been in this, a TV show called The Odyssey from 92 to 94. Okay. uh, Which looks like some hot children's garbage. Okay. And the last thing she was in was Scary Movie. Oh. Oh, but she was also in, oh, man, I want to check this out. A Dream is a Wish Your Heart Makes, the Annette Funicello story. Oh, my gosh, yes. She played Annette Funicello from ages 12 to 15. (laughs) That's amazing. So that's something that we should track down. And she was also in The New Addams Family. Oh. Which is different from The Addams Family or The Addams Family cartoon. Right, because this is that the live action New Adams Family? This was a live action that they tried to bring back in 98. Right, because they just recently released like the second of a animated mm-hmm. Adams Family movie, I think. Honestly, I just saw Adams Family 1 and 2 and stopped there. I don't really know much about the rest. Yeah, Adams Family is one of those unfortunate things where if you say like, I like the Adams Family, it refers to like 15 different things within the Adams Family universe. Yeah. Because no one cares about archiving or historical references to TV or media anymore. And that's a shame. Mm, It is. But that's a topic for another podcast. Yeah. If you have any shows that you feel like we should cover, be them 90s era hits that you really loved and think hold up really well or don't, or current crappy kids shows that you would like us to watch and tear apart slash review, please let us know. You can reach us on Instagram at screen time is canceled on twitter at stic podcast and you can email us at screen time is canceled at gmail.com canceled has two l's aaron mentioned earlier that this is spooky month for those who celebrate and there's nothing spookier <laughs> than giving us a review on apple itunes or the <laughs> podcast platform of your choice um the spookiest way you could do it is just adding, anytime you have the letter O, add like four or five O's, some mm-hmm. lowercase and some capital. So Ooh, you yeah. could say like, this is a really good show. Um, <laughs> and then it would be nice and spooky and thematic and celebratory for everyone who, you know, this is their holiest of months. And that's just suggesting a suggested language. It's not actually what we expect you to write, although we would be grateful. Yeah, you could say that the hosts are very amusing or, you know. No. Don't, don't do that. No, you could come up with something. Don't do the beautiful one. That's a lame one. That one's overplayed. Pick a different do it. ghost pun. Call Andrew beautiful. Yeah, no, yeah. Call me beautiful. Uh, call me beautiful. <laughs> and uh, that other things. Yep. Rate us on iTunes. Cool. Bye. Bye. Screen Time is Cancelled is written and produced by your host, Andrew and Alan. Our theme music is Winner Winner by Kevin McLeod. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you.